So I don't know about all of you, but I can be really forgetful at times and I need helpful reminders. Sometimes I'll get an email in my inbox that will require a really thoughtful response. And I'll think to myself, I don't really have the time to respond to this right now, but I will in an hour or two. But what do you think happens? You know, life happens, I get distracted by different tasks, and I ultimately forget to respond. But thankfully, Gmail has a new reminder system that won't let you forget that you haven't responded to emails. It'll have a little reminder next to that particular email that says, you know, three days ago, four days ago, five days ago, reply, question mark. It's so thoughtful and polite. I almost wish it was more mean to me and just said, hey, respond to this email right now or you're going to forget again. You know, my phone, my, my reminder app on my phone is so helpful and I use it every single day. Without it, I would forget a lot more than I already do. When people ask me to do something, I'll literally pull out my phone as we're talking and I'll write the reminder on my phone or I'm going to forget. And for a while, I would eat late at night, which is really bad for someone at my age. I don't have the metabolism that I used to have when I was 17 or in my mid-20s. So for a while, I'd actually have a reminder that popped up on my phone at 9 p.m. that said, put down the food, you're done for the day. And more often than not, it actually worked, but in the interest of transparency, sometimes I did break that rule. You know, God knows how distractible and how forgetful we really are. So throughout the Bible, he repeats himself a lot because he knows we need to have these reminders pop up on a consistent basis. This morning, we're going to study a miracle that is in all four of the gospel accounts, and that is the feeding of the 5,000. It's no coincidence that this miracle is used in all four of the Gospels. It's not accidental. God did this purposefully to remind us of a lesson that we desperately need to remember and we must never forget. Jesus is our ultimate provider and He takes care of every single need that we have, physical, emotional, spiritual. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught, and Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. So based off the passage we just read, I want to 
ask and answer a really important question. How is Jesus the ultimate provider? How is Jesus the ultimate provider? And number one, he offers rest to the weary. He offers rest to the weary. At this point in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus had just sent out his 12 disciples to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to preach the good news. They had witnessed Jesus minister to the needy, and now the disciples are called to get off the bench and minister themselves. And after they come back, the disciples are really excited. They're telling Jesus all the stories, all the things they did in his name. And Jesus doesn't tell them to, you know, get back out there and do more ministry, to get back to work. What does he tell them to do instead? He says, jump in the boat and get away from the crowds. You need rest. You need to go be in prayer. You need to relax. You need to get away from this ministry that, that you've been doing. They need to recharge their emotional, spiritual, and physical batteries. So they Jump on, they jump in the boat and they go across the Sea of Galilee to a place called Bethsaida. You know, there have been many times in my life when I was really tired, I could barely keep my eyes open. I remember back as a college freshman, I had many 8 a.m. classes. And I know 8 a.m. seems like a luxury wake-up time to many of us parents, but to a college student, 8 a.m. seems like the crack of dawn, especially when you go to bed at 2 a.m. every single night because you're hanging out with your friends late into the evening. But during my freshman year, I'd have these really big Old Testament and New Testament survey classes with a lot of different people. Every single freshman had to take it. So there's over 150 people in this lecture hall. And I'm ashamed to admit it, sometimes I would nod off and fall asleep. But it was really easy to get away with because there were so many people and the professor never notice. But during my sophomore year, I had a philosophy class where the professor actually gave us assigned seats. Now let me ask you, all of you who are watching, where do you think he assigned me to sit? And you're most likely right, he put me right in front of him in the front row where it was impossible to get away with nodding off. I remember one day in particular where I literally couldn't keep my eyes open. I tried every trick in the book, I slacked, actually slapped my face, I actually held my eyelids open at one point. I intensely was blinking, but nothing worked. I was trying to get away from the watchful eyes of my professor and not be caught napping during his class. Have you ever felt that exhausted? Have you ever felt that tired? Maybe you feel like that right now. Maybe you're not prepared for something you're going through right now. Maybe you feel exhausted trying to help your kids do the virtual and on-site learning at school. Maybe work is really draining the life out of you right now and the future of your company is really uncertain during this COVID area. Maybe you're past the breaking point with a certain situation or person in your life right now. This person may be just sucking the life out of you on a daily basis. Many of us are exhausted and tired right now and Jesus is calling us to stop giving ourselves over to negative uh, negativity stop giving ourselves over to complaining and trying to find rest in worldly choices and sinful living he's calling us to push aside all of our distractions and carve out a significant chunk out of our schedule every day to find rest in his presence Listen to this invitation that Jesus gave in the Gospel of Matthew and continually gives us every single day. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Jesus is inviting you to spend time with him right now and to lay your troubles, your burdens, your problems down before him. He alone can give you the peace and the lasting rest that you're searching for. Now you may be thinking, here we go again, another preacher telling me to spend time in the Bible and pray. Taylor, I would love to do that every single day. I just don't have the time right now. I have way too much on my plate. I cannot afford to do this every single day. I understand that, but let me say this. You cannot afford to not spend time in the Word and in prayer every single day. You will burn out and crash if you refuse to slow down and take advantage of this rest that Jesus is offering you. Make these spiritual disciplines a non-negotiable part of your day. Wake up early if you need to, or do these disciplines at a time where it's going to work with your schedule. I'm not saying that digging into the Word and being in prayer is going to solve all of your issues and make all of your problems go away, but they will give you the strength and the focus that you need to make it through a busy schedule, to glorify God in the midst of all the hectic stuff you have going on in your life right now. We make time for what we care about. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, do I really care about resting in the presence of Jesus? Do I really care about spending time with Him every single day? All right, secondly, how is Jesus the ultimate provider? He shows compassion to the needy. He shows compassion to the needy. Your disciples didn't get to be alone and experience the rest that they, that, they, that they expected. Instead, they would experience a refreshment that would shock and amaze them. You know, the crowds could tell that Jesus and his disciples were going to Bethsaida. So they actually ran around the Sea of Galilee to where they were going and actually headed them off at the pass. You know, we're told that this is over 5,000 men, but we're told in the Gospel of Matthew that women and children were there as well. You know, scholars believe that when, once you counted all the men, women, and children, there were over 20,000 people waiting for Jesus and his disciples. Just try to imagine that. The disciples are dead tired from putting some hardcore ministry hours in, and in the place of rest is 20,000 needy people who need the help of Jesus. I imagine the disciples are really frustrated and annoyed at this sight. But amazingly, Jesus is not frustrated or remotely annoyed at all. Instead, Mark tells us that when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know, the verse in the original Greek, this verse in the original Greek is actually really interesting. The phrase had compassion in Greek literally means to be moved in one's bowels. Now, as 21st century readers, we hear this translation and laugh it sounds kind of funny, but that's because we're so far removed from the writing of Mark's gospel. People in the ancient world thought of their bowels or their stomach area as the seat or the source of their emotions. You know, we've all felt a rush of excitement deep within ourselves as we ride a roller coaster, or we've all felt our stomachs drop as we heard terrible news. Jesus actually felt a physical stirring. He actually felt a physical rise of compassion within himself when he saw how needy these people were, and this actually led him to action. Jesus met their spiritual need by teaching them the truth, but he also met, them, met their physical need by miraculously feeding them, which we'll get to in a few minutes. 
we need to understand that Jesus genuinely cares about the lost and he has compassion on those who desperately need what he has to offer. And you have to remember that if you're a Christian, Jesus had compassion on you when you were at your worst and he gifted you his undeserving grace. He saw that you were a lost and helpless sheep and he lovingly brought you into his fold so that he could lead you, guide you, and protect you for all the days of your life and for the rest of eternity. And as followers of Christ, we are called to share his compassion and attitude and imitate his sacrificial actions. You know, sadly, it's so easy to go about our daily routines and forget about all the needy and hurting people around us. You know, it's so easy to hear about someone's issue or problem, think to ourselves, man, that's really hard. I'm glad that's not my problem. It's really easy to walk past a homeless person in Pittsburgh and think, man, it's really tough. They don't have a place to live, but they must have done something to deserve that. It's really tempting when you hear about the sinful choices of someone else to feel a rush of sinful pride in yourself and think, I can't believe they're doing that. I would never do that. You know, we can be like those horses who have to carry carriages throughout the city of Pittsburgh or other major cities for tourists, and they're put on these blinders to keep them focused on the task at hand. We often wear spiritual horse blinders, and we are so oblivious to the needs of others. We're so focused on me, myself, my needs, my wants, my desires, that we forget about the reality that there are those around us that we know and love who are hurting, broken, lonely, depressed, and dead in their sins. We want Jesus to have compassion on us, but we fail to extend that same compassion to other people. In this passage, Jesus powerfully demonstrates that compassion isn't just a feeling or a rush of pity for someone else. True compassion is a heartfelt experience of empathy. Empathy is actually putting yourself in someone else's shoes that you can feel their pain and see how they experience the world. So again, true compassion is a heartfelt experience of empathy that leads to listening ears, encouraging words, and sacrificial deeds. You have dozens and dozens of opportunities every single week to extend compassion to others. Ask the Lord to remove these blinders from your eyes so that you can see, empathize with, and do something about the needs of others. All right, finally, how is Jesus our ultimate provider? He gives satisfaction to the hungry. He gives satisfaction to the hungry. As I said earlier, Jesus didn't just meet the crowd's spiritual needs. He met their physical needs as well. After Jesus taught this massive group of people, it was between 3 and 6 o'clock. So it was getting really close to dinner time. His disciples take him aside and say, Jesus, you need to send everybody away because they need to eat. And Jesus says something truly shocking that amazes the disciples. He says, you give them something to eat. Now, to be clear, Jesus really didn't expect the disciples to be able to feed the crowds. Instead, he was giving them a test of faith. He was testing their faith to see if they truly understood who he was and if they believed that he could feed over 20,000 people. The disciples failed this test and they respond by saying, are you kidding me? We don't have that kind of money. We can't feed all of these people. So Jesus then asked the disciples how many loaves of bread 
they have. And the Gospel of John, we're filled in with some of these details that they come across a boy who's willing to give them his five loaves of bread and his two fish. Now, don't let the word loaf fool you. This wasn't like a big loaf of bread that we have in our pantry with nice sliced, even pieces. A better way to translate this word in the Greek is bread cakes. This refers to a really small piece of flatbread, and the fish were probably just like little sardine-type fish. This was a small lunch for an average boy in Israel. But Jesus would use this really small meal to accomplish one of his biggest, greatest miracles. Jesus had the disciples arrange the crowd in groups of fifties and hundreds to make counting much easier and making passing the food much easier as well. He then looks up to heaven and he breaks the bread. And as he begins to break the bread, it keeps multiplying and the same happened with the fish. It's hard to really picture what this would have looked like, but Jesus kept tearing, kept tearing, kept passing, and there kept being more and more and more until everyone was fed, and not just fed, but fully satisfied, and there were actually 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus went above and beyond and provided beyond what these people actually needed. You know, Jesus providing physical food for the crowd proves that he provides spiritual food for those who are hungry for salvation, for meaning, and for a relationship with the Lord. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says this about himself, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall no longer hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This means that Jesus is the only one who can satisfy our desires and end our spiritual starvation. Yeah, but Jesus can only pass out this bread to the crowd by breaking it and tearing it apart. In the same way, Jesus' body had to be broken and torn apart on the cross that we could be given eternal salvation. His blood poured out to wash us clean of our sin and to make us pure. During the Last Supper, before his death, Jesus compared his body to the bread and his blood to the wine. And this is why we take part in the Lord's Supper as a church once a month. The bread and the juice point us to how Jesus provided for our ultimate need on the cross over 2,000 years ago and how he continually provides for us every single day. As I said at the beginning of this message, we are so distractible and forgettable. We need powerful reminders like the Lord's Supper to remind us of what Jesus does for us every single day. So please never forget that Jesus is all that you truly need and he brings lasting satisfaction. Stop trying to fill up on the world's junk food. If you don't, you're going to end up feeling disappointed, sick, and empty. Stop wasting time on what this world has to offer and turn to Jesus. Maybe this morning you need to turn to Jesus for the very first time in your life. Bow the knee to Him. Trust in Him alone as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you've already turned to Him. Maybe you're a Christian, but you've been lured away by the junk food of this world. Please turn to Him yet again and look to Jesus as your only source of satisfaction. I want to close out this message by reading one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and that's Psalm 1611. 
And in this verse, David is speaking to the Lord. Really pay attention to what David has to say to his God. He says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me ask you, do you really believe that? Can you recite this verse in your heart and actually mean it? Can you say that Jesus is your ultimate provider? That He is your true source of joy, happiness, and satisfaction? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our lives. Lord, we admit that we so often turn to the junk food of this world and we ignore all that you've given us in Jesus Christ. Lord, in the midst of a really stressful fall, Lord, help us to turn to you, be in your word, be in prayer, and look to you for rest, for satisfaction, for meaning, and fulfillment. In Jesus' name, amen.